Hi everyone, this is Dr. Jaravic, and for this podcast, we're going to talk about HIV medications. And so the medications that we give for HIV are called antiretroviral medications or drugs. And they help to make it less likely for the patient to pass the virus on to someone else by suppressing the viral load levels. And if you think about it, the viral load, as we talked about before, is that's the amount of virus actually within the body. So the lower we can get that, the better for the patient. And and sometimes we can actually decrease that viral load to undetectable um, on a blood test. But it's important to understand that the meds do not cure the patient. They will always have some of the virus that lies dormant in some of the CD4 cells, kind of hiding away in the body. And it could, you know, kind of become active, for a lack of a better word, at any point. So the patient with HIV will have it for the rest of their life. But these medications are helpful by increasing lifespan and decreasing transmission because we are able to decrease that viral load. Now, one potential issue with HIV virus is it become more, it can become more resistant. And so the healthcare provider will prescribe multiple antiretroviral medications to help combat, combat this resistance. And um, <clears throat> there's several different types of medications and they all work at um, different parts of the that cycle. And so, um, by taking multiple types of medications, we can help keep the virus from mutating. So antiretroviral medications work based on the uh, process of replication. So you may have one drug from one category and then another from another category and possibly even a third from, you know, another category on that replication. They help to kill off the virus um, from multiple angles and help prevent that mutation. Um, However, a patient with HIV can become resistant um, to medications quickly. Um, You know, if they've had HIV for a while, the healthcare provider may order some testing to see if they have developed any type of resistance to any um, antiretrovirals, and that'll help aid in the prescribing of the the proper medications. So thinking about HIV medications, there's some different um, categories, and so the meds, that prevent entry into the cell, they kind of help to, for lack of a better word, gum up or or lock out um, the HIV. So they help to prevent it from getting into the CD4 cells to begin with. And so if it's not in there, it can't replicate. And so two of these types of medications are one, fusion inhibitors. And an example of a fusion inhibitor is, and hopefully I won't butcher this name, um, enferitide, E-N-F-U-V-I-R-T-I-D-E. And then a second class of medications of this are called CCR5, which I can get my mouth working this morning, antagonist. And um, again, those help to, to block that entry. And an example of that medication is mer. Maravaruk, and it's M-A-R-A-V-I-R-O-C. All right, so another um, type um, 
that helps to prevent viral replication, viral DNA replication. Um, there's two classifications of that. So there are the nucleoside reverse trans transcriptase inhibitors, NRTIs. Let me say that one more time since I kind of butchered that. Nucleoside trans reverse transcriptase inhibitors. And then there's the non nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitors. And so these work by preventing the viral DNA from being produced. And so it attacks the viruses that have gotten into the cells. And so an example of a um, NRTI, the nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitors, um, one common one is emtricitabine, God only knows if I'm saying that right, E-M-T-R-I-C-I-T-A-B-I-N-E. Another um, also common one is uh, teno tenofovir, and that's T-E-N-O-F-O-V-I-R. And then the last one in this category um, that will be important to, to be familiar with is Zidovudine, which is Z-I-D-O-V-U-D-I-N-E. <clears throat> now with the um, non-nucleotide reverse transcriptic, transcriptase inhibitors. Um, an example of that one is um, efavirenz, and that's E-F-A-V-I-R-E-N-Z. <clears throat> All right, now a third category of um, antiretroviral medications um, these help to prevent the DNA from becoming a part of the patient's DNA. So it doesn't allow maturation of the vi virus. And there's um, two medication classes that fall into this. These are the integrase inhibitors and the integrase inhibitors. Um, an example of that would be Elvitagrev. Um, let me spell that one for you. E-L-V-I-T-E-G-R-A-V-I-R. -E and I'm totally sure I butchered that one. And then the, the other one is the protease inhibitors. And so um, an example of a protease inhibitors is Darunavir. And that's spelled D-A-R-U-N-A-V-I-R. So one of the things to think about is that with our antiretroviral medications, um, a lot of the side effects that they have kind of um, go along with administration. And um, there also can be some side effects that are really similar to what a patient with HIV may be experiencing anyway. So many of these medications you cannot crush. Um, protease inhibitors specifically, um, they can cause some heart issues. There can be some sulfa interactions, um, so you can't give it to anybody who has a sulfa allergy. And that, that's a pretty common allergy when you think of sulfa, um, sulfa penicillins, sulfa antibiotics. Um, and another thing is you can't give it with St. John's wort. And, and St. John's wort, um, it's an herbal remedy that patients can just buy over the counter. A lot of times they'll take it for depression, um, but it has a ton of 
drug interactions. Um, it's really one of those medications that a patient, if they're going to take St. John's Wort, they really need to talk with their physician or their pharmacist to make sure that they're not going to have a um, a problem with that. <clears throat> now, a woman who gets pregnant who has HIV, there is one class of medications that's safe, um, specifically the uh, Zyduvidine, and I... Zydovudine. There we go. Now I said it right. So Zydovudine, um, we can give that to moms while they're pregnant. Um, so clearly from a, a lifetime, um, across the lifetime span, this is going to be an important medication for you to know. And they even, um, because when baby is born, baby can be exposed to um, the blood, the vaginal um, vaginally. And so they may even give the Zydovudine to babies um, who have been exposed to an HIV positive um, mom. And they might give them to that four to six weeks after birth, um, kind of uh, prophylactically. Now, again, I already mentioned that side effects um, can be the same as what we see with the infection. Some of these side effects um, kind of more of short-term side effects. Um, there could be malaise, that generalized fatigue, um, GI upsets, very common with these medication and nausea and vomiting, diarrhea, headache, um, fever. And of course, if you're immunocompromised and you have that fever, we're going to be concerned. So um, muscle pains, insomnia, and dizziness. And so if we're having somebody who has that dizziness, think about that application of that from a nursing standpoint is we're going to teach them to get up slowly, um, that they're going to um, be very careful as far as um, movements. <clears throat> now, from a whole body perspective, um, these medications can be hard on the kidneys. So we would want to be monitoring our kidney functions, um, specifically like the BUN and creatinine. They can be hard on the liver function, so we'd be monitoring LFTs. They can increase our lipids, so we might be monitoring the, the cholesterol and uh, high-density lipids and low-density lipids. It can cause osteoporosis, um, heart disease, depression, um, diabetes, and some insulin resistance, so we may be checking them for that. And it also has some um, changes in how the body stores fat. So some lipodystrophy is what that's called. And then um, with that depression, of course, one of the big things would be the concern for the suicidal um, ideations that the patients can have. So those are some of the, the big things with <clears throat> that we would be worried about. So think about, again, some of those interventions for some of those common symptoms. Um, if somebody's having the vomiting or diarrhea, we may need to be giving fluids. Um, whether we're giving fluids, pushing fluids orally, if they're able to get them in for the, specifically for the diarrhea, or we may have to in the hospital be giving them IV fluids. There are some medications that we can give for diarrhea. Um, and so um, Loperat, Loperamide is one, and uh, diphenoxylate is another. And so those are two medications that you should be aware of that we can give to somebody for diarrhea. 
Um, now, from a diet standpoint, we could encourage them to avoid foods that may cause the diarrhea, and so that, that may be individualized for the person. They may need to take some pain medications for the headache and muscle pains. And then, of course, antibiotics is going to be a big thing for these patients because of that risk for opportunistic infections. <clears throat> now, when we're talking about risk of exposure for somebody who has potentially been exposed to HIV, there are two different types of prophylactic measures that we can take. One is called PrEP, and that's pre-exposure prophylaxis. And um, there's some really nice little charts on this in, in your textbook. So patients who may take this pre-exposure prophylaxis are people who have high risk um, <clears throat> um, risk for getting it. And so that could be somebody who has a partner who is HIV positive. It could be people who are IV drug users, um, prostitutes. So there's, there's some different reasons why people might be on PrEP, but they're at a high risk um, for getting the infection. And so <clears throat> with PrEP, the non-infected partner is the one who's going to be taking that medication. And so there's, it's a combination medication. It's uh, Truvada, and it has uh, tenofovir and amtricitabine in it. And um, there's some really important things to do teaching for this person who's taking PrEP. Um, so it can help to prevent them from getting HIV. They must have good kidney function to be able to be able to take this um, medication and they have to take it consistently. Um, they can't miss two days in a row or else they're not considered protected. And they also must use safe sex practices. Um, <clears throat> they have to be on it for four days um, before it starts to work effectively. And this person's going to have to be tested for HIV every three months. And so talking about the consistency in medication, you know, for, for somebody who's on PrEP, we're saying they, they can't miss two days. <clears throat> for somebody who actually has HIV, not on PrEP, but is on antiretrovirals, the goal for them is actually to take it 90% of the time. So nine out of 10 days, they have to take it exactly as instructed or they are at increased risk for getting those um, resistance. And so that's really important teaching that we would do for somebody who's on antiretrovirals. Now, another um, for patients for risk of exposure would be post-exposure prophylaxis. And of course, the, the thing that comes to mind for me is, you know, a nurse or a healthcare provider with a um, needle stick injury. <clears throat> And so your book has a really nice little um, kind of algorithm on it explaining what the course is going to be on, on a post-exposure prophylaxis. And so, you know, they um, we're usually going to try to test the person who, um, you know, we had um, <clears throat> the stick from. Um, and so with that, um, the nurse with the needle stick injury, um, they're going to have to do certain um, type of process. So obviously there's always an incident report or we call those MIDAS reports, right? They're gonna need to contact employee health. 
And they may start on meds before the test even comes back. And so it's really going to depend on that patient as to whether they're considered a high risk or not. And so sadly, in my nursing career, um, I have had needle stick injuries. I, I was using a suture cutter one time and I was uh, taking out chest tubes. And somehow or another, when I was taking the suture cutter over to the sharps, I don't even know how I did it. Um, I cut my finger with it. And, and I looked down and I noticed I was bleeding. And so, you know, I, of course, I made it bleed and washed my hands. And then uh, I went into the, you know, told the patient, about, you know, getting the, the blood test. And and the wife's like, of course you'll get your blood test. <laughs> she didn't give him a chance. But he was considered a, a low-risk um, person. So, you know, the lifestyle and those types of things. So they did not put me on um, um, post-exposure prophylaxis. I did not go on medications for that. Now, had he been a high-risk person, if he had been in HIV, if he was HIV positive, I definitely would have been put on the medications. But if he was an IV drug user or um, in a uh, relationship with another man, then the chances are that they would have potentially put me on the medication. <clears throat> and so if you are put on that medication, it's considered CART, um, which is just combination antiretroviral therapy, and that's what we call it for, for the patients too. Some books call it heart. Some of them call it CART. It's the same thing, synonymous. It means you're going to be on, on combination medications. And if you're put on that medication, you'll be on that for a 28-day regimen. All right. I think that is um, the bulk of what I wanted to talk about with um, these medications. If you have questions, though, just let me know. And I hope this is helpful. Thanks.